0: You're listening to The Quints Podcast.
1: Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine began on 24th February, countries around the world have condemned it for its aggression through sanctions and statements. However, India, one of the key players in international relations and geopolitics, has held its nose and has been mum on their show. As of 8 March, it has abstained five times on any vote of condemnation and has also avoided criticizing Russia publicly. While none of these abstentions have affected the outcome of the vote, India's silence on the entire conflict through its vote has raised questions on how long it can walk on this tightrope. And its abstentions are not surprising since India-Russia relations have endured everything since the Cold War and has remained a close strategic ally of Russia. Importantly, India imports the majority of its arms and ammunition from Russia with some estimates going as high as 70%. But India's balancing act is now proving increasingly difficult as the situation worsens in Ukraine by the day, which even prevented Indian students stranded in eastern Ukraine from evacuating. More so, the diplomatic pressure on India is also increasing with the U.S. indicating multiple times the quote-unquote importance of a strong collective response to Russian aggression. And even the Ukrainian ambassador to India stating that his country is quote-unquote deeply dissatisfied with India's position on the entire issue. So the big question here is, For how long can India look back at an old friendship to make foreign policy decisions in the present and the future? Is it in India's best interest to remain neutral in this crisis? Joining me today to discuss the same is Nandan Unnikrishnan, a distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation, a global policy think tank. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Imat. It's been almost three weeks since Russian troops entered Ukraine and since day one, the move has been met with strong international condemnation, severe sanctions and inspiring bravery of Ukraine citizens and soldiers. But missing from those international condemnations so far is the voice of India, who, as I stated earlier, has abstained on five votes so far. And these were very essential votes. The first being at the UNSC where India was the only democracy to abstain, second was at the United Nations General Assembly, and the third crucial vote was at the UNHRC, which sought a probe into rights and violations in Ukraine amid the conflict. And predictably, Russia has welcomed India's calibrated and quote-unquote balanced stance on the conflict. The issue with this, however, is that Russia may interpret this neutrality as active support. But if you're wondering the reasons behind India's current stance, it is because of the three big elephants in the room. First, its historical and military ties with Russia. Second, its friendship with the US. And lastly, a growing and aggressive China on its border. I will divide this episode accordingly. So, let me take you through each one of these issues, starting with India's ties with Russia. Russia is India's biggest arms supplier. Though the degree of reliance on Russian arms has reduced over the years, 70% of India's armed forces systems are still of Russian origin. For example, the Indian Air Force operates the Sukhoi Su-30 MKI, the MiG-29 and the MiG-21 fighter jets of Russian origin. The Indian Army's main tanks, the T-72 and T-90, are also of Russian origin. India has also leased nuclear submarines from Russia and the latter is also helping India build its own as well. And the biggest headline-making purchase so far has been the S-400 air defence system, which India has been eyeing for a long time and received its first shipment just last year in December 2021. Essentially, for India, Russia has always been its go-to port of call when the question of defence spending arises. The diplomatic relations between the two sides have also grown, with 28 agreements signed in the recent 2-plus-2 meeting, which included a 10-year agreement of military technology cooperation. We did an entire episode on the outcome of the summit and if you have missed that episode, you can find a link to it in our show notes. So, clearly, India has been a good friend to Russia for the past few decades. But the same may not be said about Russia. Russia, time and again, especially since President Putin took power, has delayed deliveries of fighter jets which has also led to an increase in prices. Russia also remained mum during China's incursions into India in 2020. And recently, Russia also kept India out of the Afghan peace negotiations when the Taliban took over the country in August 2021. And this contrasting friendship begs the question, is India's alliance with Russia in its best interest in the long term, especially given the current geopolitical crisis in Ukraine? According to Nandan Unikrishnan, a distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation, both India and Russia have benefited from the decades-long friendship, which has resulted in enough trust to last through even this conflict. Uh,
0: Talking about the Indo-Russian friendship, Mm -hmm. Uh, It starts way back in 1950s, Mm -hmm. so we're not talking of 50 years and all, and let's remember that we were able to carve out uh, Bangladesh out of East Pakistan only because we had the Indo-Soviet Treaty. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't forget that the U.S. uh, aircraft carriers uh, steamed into uh, the Bay of Bengal as well as aircraft carriers of Britain. Mm-hmm. One aircraft carrier, poor fellows, they had only yeah. one. Uh, uh, steamed into the Arabian Sea, mm-hmm. and if it was not for the Soviets, uh, we would have been faced with uh, several uh, multiple foes, because yeah. then even China might have decided to join the game. Yeah, and this, if you recall, is after the United States and China, uh, after Kissinger's famous secret visit to Beijing, mm-hmm. after which the relationship between uh, China and uh, United States develops very uh, rapidly. So I think if you throw into the mix uh, this number of vetoes that uh, the Soviet Union cast for us, mm. uh, starting with Kashmir, <clears throat> then on uh, our liberating Goa. There mm. also we were called an aggressor, by the way, yep. in the UN. And uh, the Russians uh, vetoed. So A lot of things we've lived behind a sheet. Mm -hmm. So uh, first, I think then if we are going to talk about, you know, costs and trying to put dollars and Mm -hmm. uh, stuff to this, then we should first evaluate what is that cost, right? The third thing is that you must remember again that the 1990s famous liberal reforms, of course, they come in India after the country was virtually bankrupt. Mm-hmm. But they came to a country which had a solid industrial base. It mm-hmm. already had a nuclear program, it had the entire cycle capable of producing uh, high-tech equipment required for the nuclear industry. It had a space program, it did its own independent launches. May mm-hmm. not have been great, but it was doing it. And therefore, we were one of those countries, very few countries in the world that essentially produced our needs. Yes, of mm-hmm. course we imported. you know we didn't produce everything from pins to aircraft. We don't even still produce uh, yeah. let's say engines and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. while we uh, uh, talk about today, we should remember that much of that industrial base mm-hmm. you know, if the United States contributed to creation of the agricultural base through the Green Revolution, Mm -hmm. Much of the industrial base was created by the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. whether it is the mining industry, whether it is the uh, metallurgical industry, whether it's oil and gas, multiple spheres, you see that the Russians contributed to India's uh, industrialization. Uh, When we come to today, of course, uh, uh, everyone remembers uh, delays. Yes. Mm there were delays and the delays were essentially in the delivery of the aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. And there are regular delays in the delivery of spare parts for a variety of items, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Army as well as Air Force. Uh, So what happens is that, yes, there are delays, there are uh, cost escalations. However, if you look at our relationship with anybody, I mean, even Israel, Mm -hmm. There are delays and there are cost escalations. Mm -hmm. This is the nature of the beast, if you want, you know, in uh, uh, the purchase of military equipment Mm -hmm. and military-related equipment. Uh, You should also recall that in 1990s, when the Soviet Union collapsed, the Russian economy was totally devastated. I mean, in 1998, they declared a sovereign default. Mm -hmm. So they did have production problems. There's little doubt about that. They had production problems, and there were several times when uh, they may not have delivered on the dot as promised per contract. But uh, by and large, I would say that both sides have benefited from this relationship in the defense sector. Mm -hmm. Russians, because they have been uh, substantially able to keep their military-industrial complex together Mm -hmm. through orders from countries like India and China, which are really large orders. China, much less, but it is. And India, because uh, some critical systems uh, have been Mm -hmm. supplied to us, but now there has been a certain dilution of that Mm-hmm. You know, we find that China is also getting similar systems, yeah. And in fact, 400 the Chinese got before us, something mm-hmm. that would not have happened in the past, yeah. Right? Okay, uh, uh, but we have to ascribe that to something else. This is not because, uh, you know, Putin is this evil genius and he's got mm-hmm. some plans to uh, okay. sort of uh, cut out India or something, no, yeah. The point is that, in uh, Geopolitics is changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, there are several new powers that are emerging, and Russia is very keen on developing what we call a multipolar world. Yeah. And in a multipolar world, any great power would want to maintain mm-hmm. uh, relationships and engagement with all powers.
1: Yeah. And India also subscribes to the multiple. He also subscribe to the.
0: Yeah. He subscribe. Exactly. So they have the same interest. Hmm. So therefore, just as we improve our relationship with the United States, with Japan, Australia, hmm. and who have you, they are improving their relationships with China, Pakistan, and all. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that some of these are our adversaries, yeah. but we are also improving relations with their adversaries. Hmm. You know, they, exactly. exactly. for example... Uh, I, it would be difficult to, for anyone to argue that the United States is not a more important uh, partner than Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, it would be difficult for anyone to argue that Russia does not play a critical role in our overall uh, international strategy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, therefore, I, I would view this as. Uh, India-Russia relationship have a place. Mm. India is invested in it because India uh, gains a clear-cut benefit from it. And uh, the relationship, as it were, of course, it is buffeted by Mm. what is happening around in the world. But there is enough
1: ballast in the relationship for it to keep moving for at least the next 10-15 years. One of the reasons why I say Russia has not been a great friend to India is because of its growing ties with the second elephant in the room, China. Now, China is second only to India when it comes to military imports from Russia, with total exports between 2016 and 2020 amounting to $5.1 billion. Trade between the two countries has also been going up from $50 billion in 2016 to $147 billion in 2020, making China Russia's largest trading partner. Now, relations between the two great powers started frosty, with most of them being in the Cold War decades. But it has vastly changed since the early 90s. And when Putin came to power, China was one of the first countries he turned to for expanding Russia's economic ties. Russia has also pertinently been calibrated in its response on some of China's key international issues, like the South China Sea, the Hong Kong protests of 2019, and most recently, COVID-19. President Putin also recently visited China during the Beijing Olympics in February 2020, where Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping signed a pact called the international relations entering a new era and the global sustainable development and stated that the friendship between the two countries had quote-unquote no limits and quote-unquote no forbidden areas of cooperation. Now, these statements of friendships are of course tricky for India, who considers China a strong adversary, especially since the incidents of June 2020. And after the searing sanctions which the West has placed on the Russian economy and the financial systems, Russia may grow increasingly dependent on China. Pertinently, China and Russia are also on the same page when it comes to core interests in the face of US unilateralism and share a strong friendship. So far, on the Ukraine crisis, China, like India, has abstained from all the votes and has not condemned Russia. Historically, China also does not recognize the annexation of Crimea in 2014. But... If it does change its stance on the issue in reflection of its deep friendship with Russia, would this be the trigger for India to join the US and its allies in condemning Russia? According to Mr. Onikrishnan, as long as Russia does not deviate from its stance on the China-India conflict, which has been neutral so far, the growing ties between Russia and China should not be a huge concern for India.
0: No, You see, our relationship, and this I keep emphasizing, Mm. that our relationship with Russia has an independent basis because Mm. we both Mutually agree that there are some benefits which we both derive from it. Mm-hmm. Russia derives some, and India derives. So essentially, what we are saying is we need each other. Yeah. Of course, we are not uh, the significant other in each relationship. Yeah. Right. Uh, that stage is over. We are not mm-hmm. uh, in that uh, uh, the heydays of the Indo-Soviet relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, things have evolved and we've moved on as it were. Mm. For us, of course, uh, dealing with China's rise, aggressive rise, if I may say so, Mm. in uh, Asia, particularly in the Indo-Pacific is our primary concern. Mm. And in the Indo-Pacific region, region, USA is our primary partner in this. Mm -hmm. But on the continental shelf, Mm -hmm. particularly after the US withdrawal from Uh, Afghanistan, US is, uh, yes, of course, US is a global power. So it has a footprint. But it is not the most significant player. Mm -hmm. Russia's footprint in Eurasia, particularly Mm -hmm. Central Asia and all, is much, much more uh, evident, let's say. And uh, if India is interested, and so is Russia at this point, Mm -hmm. at least so far, interested in uh, somehow Managing China's rise and preventing mm-hmm. the emergence of a hegemon in Asia. Then, of course, India and Russia have to move together. That yeah. is one. Now, the second part of it. So, therefore, if China decides to support Russia, mm-hmm. as long as Russia does not change its position vis-à-vis us, yeah, right. Which is that, for example, during the 2020. Uh, incident that took place April onwards, Mm -hmm. the Russians did not publicly say anything, Mm -hmm. they were sort of neutral, but they did not move against us either, in any fashion. And on the contrary, they uh, facilitated the first meeting Mm -hmm. between our ministers in Moscow, Mm -hmm. uh, on the sidelines, I think of the SCO, and that is what led to the uh, subsequent de-escalation talks. So, And they kept up the arms supplies, as I uh, told you earlier. In fact, according to Rajnath Singh, our defense minister, they even expedited some deliveries as per our request. So to that extent, I think I would say that China's changing its position Mm. is not necessarily going to affect us if it does not result in uh, Russia tilting more towards China. If India feels that Russia is uh, sort of becoming mm-hmm. uh, a junior partner to China, yep. which I personally believe is still some way off, uh, they may be aligned, but they are not in an alliance, mm-hmm. not yet. But as I said, you know, given the kind of uh, uh, unprecedented sanctions mm-hmm. that the West has uh, uh, announced against Russia, if russia finds itself in economic dire straits mm-hmm. it may have to turn towards uh, china uh, for help yeah. and you know, just as the uh, just as i said united states doesn't do charity mm-hmm. neither does china yeah. you know no no great power does charity mm-hmm. so there is always a price to be extracted yeah and that is what we will be carefully observing mm-hmm. in india mm-hmm. you know so China changing its position is uh, par for the course. Mm-hmm. You know that is depends on their uh, reading of a particular situation at a particular yeah. point of time. Right, mm-hmm. but uh, we will uh, read the situation depending on our interests. Mm-hmm. And if we feel that our interests are not impinged, I don't mm-hmm. see any reason for us to want to change uh, mm-hmm. anything that we
1: are doing. Moving now to the third elephant in the room and the biggest one of all, the United States. The Indo-U.S. ties have been growing strong for years. President Barack Obama once even described the ties as one of the defining partnerships of the 21st century. Both sides have met frequently over the past few years and President Joe Biden's reignition of Quad also signals how important a partner the U.S. considers India to be. However, over the past year, the relation has been on choppy waters and the not-so-subtle reminders that the US has provided India on its position in the Ukraine crisis has put the country in a bind. The first reminder came in the form of a tweet from Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, where he said that he spoke to External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar and indicated the quote-unquote importance of a strong collective response to Russian aggression. The second reminder was from Joe Biden himself, who in a press conference said that the issue of being fully in sync with India on the crisis has not been resolved completely. And the third reminder came from the U.S. Ambassador to the UN, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, who while introducing the UNGA resolution said that quote-unquote, vote yes if you believe in upholding the UN Charter, vote no or abstain if you do not uphold the Charter. And as we know, India abstained. Apart from these recent reminders, the U.S. and its lawmakers have also been very vocal about India upholding democratic values and human rights. And for the second time in a row, US-based human rights watchdog Freedom House has kept India's status as quote-unquote partly free in its annual report. When it comes to India-Russia relations, the US has been silent since it knows the history of the deep ties between the two countries. But the one sticking point where the US lawmakers have raised contention about, again and again, is the S-400 missile deal. The US Congress has been clear that India will face sanctions under Katsa. And this looming threat of sanctions has remained unsolved since the S-400 deal was signed in 2018. So the big question here is, will India's current stance on Ukraine push the U.S. to change its mind to impose the sanctions once and for all? Mr. Unikrishnan weighs in.
0: Well, you know, I do not for a moment expect the United States to show charity to anybody. Mm-hmm. I think the United States has very clear-cut interests and understands its interests and they calculate their interests very cold bloodedly mm. and then they take measures and steps to try and achieve those uh, protection of those interests or whatever aims and goals they have set for themselves so uh, to that extent i you know if the united states determines that uh, india is uh, violating or moving mm. against its strategic interests I have no hesitation in believing that they will come down on us like a ton of bricks, yeah. right? However, if they feel that India is contributing to their overall strategic environment mm-hmm. in a positive manner, then uh, they are going to close their eyes to what they perceive mm-hmm. to be some infringements of their law. Yeah. The problem with Katsa is that it is a law in the United States. Mm. So, you know, whatever we do, we are violating that law. Yeah. So they, they, their legal system is slightly more complex than ours. Mm-hmm. It's not just simply that the president gives a waiver and it works mm-hmm. like that. There will be discussion. There will be debate. Washington D.C. is very polarized at this point yep. of time. So you know, they, they, it could cause uh, some issues. Mm-hmm. However, India is also proceeding with this purchase, not because it is worried about sanctions or not. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. be very clear. We are buying this because we feel it will enhance our national security. Mm-hmm. And this is irrespective of whether somebody sanctions us or not. Yeah. We have made a determination that this is the best-in-class mm-hmm. system available. Yeah. <clears throat> and we have decided we'll bite the bullet and buy it because mm-hmm. it, it is not cheap. It's some yeah. $5 billion or something. right? Yeah. But we've decided it serves our purpose. it meets whatever requirements we have, mm-hmm. and therefore we should get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first yeah. as you noted, the first delivery of the first uh, unit I think has taken place in December. there are yeah. three or four more units to come. Yeah. Uh, they will keep coming. I mean that I'm not worried about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think uh, the Russians now that the payments have been made to them yeah. uh, that they are likely to renege on this. Mm-hmm. Because after all, let's not forget that at the height of our uh, little tension on the border with uh, China, mm-hmm. they, they kept up the military supplies. Yeah, you know, despite Chinese requests or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. they did not uh, stop supplying arms to us. Mm-hmm. So I, I I really don't see any reason why yeah. they should suspend uh, mm-hmm. deliveries of the S400. What we are also banking on uh, vis-a-vis the United States is that the US sees us as a partner in its uh, policy of promoting uh, a transparent, open Indo-Pacific region. Yes. Mm-hmm. right? And uh, uh, the United States only benefits mm-hmm. if India grows stronger, including militarily. Yeah. So if you notice, even the Quad has a uh, very minuscule, but still mm-hmm. has a security element in it, right? Uh, so, uh, and what we are buying from the Russians, I think even the Americans recognize, is mm-hmm. only going to strengthen India. Yeah. And it is going to, uh, after all, we physically have a conflict, mm-hmm. and we can see out of the experience with Ukraine, that mm-hmm. U.S. soldiers are not going to be fighting with us in of course, yeah. the Himal. Mm -hmm. So we better protect ourselves, ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, the Americans are aware of that. So I Mm -hmm. personally uh, feel that there will probably be an exemption Mm -hmm. granted by the United States on the purchase of the S-400s. But as I said, you know, the situation, this what is developed in Ukraine and the way it is uh, going Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is uh, predictable.
1: Yeah. India has so far managed to evacuate the majority of its citizens out of Ukraine, even the stranded students in Sumi. However, the answer to the big question still remains. For how long can India look back on old friendships to make foreign policy decisions in the present and the future? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Jio and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcasts at thequint.com Thanks for
0: listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.